our mission is to keep the tradition alive. It's up to us. It's our responsibility. Who else is going to do it? Hello and welcome to episode 216 of the Redbox Report, the weekly movie podcast where we review the latest Blu-rays and DVD releases for Redbox. I'm your host, Bob Fallon, and with me, as always, is Casey Brady. This week, we're going to take a look at The Fate of the Furious, a movie all about family. We'll take a look at our top five villains. What else we watched? Top five. Bottom five. Uh... Bottom five villains. What else we watched, and our last point. Yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. We will. We will do all of those things, plus more, including our first email in two years. I don't know if that's <laughs> exact, but we do have an email to discuss from our friend Edgar Chaput, who will be on the podcast in a few weeks for the fall box office draft. Definitely looking forward to that. But he says. Hello, Redbox Report. Your conversation at the end of episode 215 pertaining to the quality of the 2017 summer movie season and other media platforms used to consume films, legally or otherwise, was thought-provoking. Well, thank you, Edgar. I wholeheartedly agree with the consensus that this past summer season was among the finest in recent memory. The past couple seasons saw my trips to the cinema dwindle due to the lack of interest and lack of positive buzz. Although I try not to allow the later, latter excuse me, to influence me too much. 2017 was a vastly different story. I can't remember the last summer when I went to the theater almost on a weekly basis. What's more, I have left movies either reasonably or completely satisfied on plenty of occasions, so much so that there's no point in listing them because there are too many. As for the box office numbers, box office draft aside... I doubt pirating has significant influence in pulling the numbers down. Perhaps a little, but not more. No, streaming services and the partnerships between major studios and said platforms are what hurt box office returns. When a film has its Netflix debut about five or six months after its opening weekend in theaters, people are discouraged to go out and seek them on the big screen. Remember the days when we had to wait nine or ten months to rent the VHS? Well, now we can wait half that time and watch the movie at the cost of more of a more than reasonable monthly fee for an HD streaming service. As well, original quality content from those same streaming services makes the competition for the attention of media consumers fiercer than ever before. I'll leave it at that, and thank you again for the discussion. Keep up the great work. I look forward to exacting my revenge for this summer's box office draft failure in the very near future. Take care, Edgar Chaput. I think well, that's a fair point. I don't know if we need to completely rehash our same argument or discussion as the last episode, but that is a fair point that, you know... The streaming services. The only thing I would say is that it, it would be it would make complete sense that, yes, why, why go pay, which I just did uh, <laughs> yesterday, $13, $14 to go see a movie that I can see at my, my house five months later. Well, the reason I feel that... I, kind of invalidates that argument is that we are a society that, and not just in the U.S., but um, in multiple other countries around the world, that we want we want instant gratification. 
Uh, I don't want to wait five months to see a movie that everyone's talking about right now that I've been hearing all about, seeing all the trailers. I want to see it now, and I want to see it in a theater, um, especially nowadays that uh, all the seats are so comfortable. The screens are, are getting bigger. Um, the, the, the visuals are, are becoming more of a thing nowadays, and so seeing it in theaters is more important than ever. And so I, I, I don't know. I don't, I don't think streaming services – I, th- I do think that is a part of it, but uh, I don't know. And I, and for my last point, which I'm going to make my first point now, <laughs> um, what I was going to talk about in the last point is how the box office is down drastically from last year. Um, almost by 11%, the box office is down, and it's expected to be down by about 15% by the end of summer. Um, that's crazy. Like that's yeah. a gigantic, drastic drop uh, in viewership, and maybe maybe uh, pirating is not the main reason. I do think it is a uh, big influence, I mean, especially now that we're seeing like HBO. HBO is going to be losing subscribership soon because all their stuff is getting leaked. What was it over a terabyte or even maybe more than that has been leaked? Yeah, um, it's crazy. I haven't looked at any of it. I don't really know what it was exactly, but. Yeah, that is unfortunate. What well, entire episode now of Game of Thrones has been leaked? I think originally it was a script, but now it's an entire um, episode. Apparently, uh, many of like big Bo- the Ballers show. I don't know exactly what that is, um, but I, I heard that a big part of that got leaked. Um, yeah, I mean, apparently the Game of Thrones episode was in poor quality. I actually I am subscribed to HBO Go, so I just waited for the episode to air, but. Yeah, I mean, it's happening I do more think and more. it's a big part. I really do, and I, um, and it's it's easy to kind of just blow it off, like oh, you know, people would see it anyway. No, like I guarantee you, uh, if things were were placed in front of someone illegally, they would still take it, even though they know it's illegal, um, and that they could eventually um, see it for for a very small fee. Uh, that Redbox offers. Why not take it for free if you can? Because most people don't see it as being illegal or stealing. Um, so why pay that nine dollars a month? Or I don't know how much Netflix is when you can get it for free. Right. Um, and I know I have friends who they have like thirteen, fourteen terabytes of movies. Um, well, that's, that's a crazy. drastic amount. <laughs> that of is movies. a lot. I think they are. The outlier, but I mean, ooh, I don't think that is. I really don't think that's the outlier. I think most people, uh, especially of our generation, have hundreds and hundreds of movies, if not at least you know thirty, forty, fifty movies um, that, that that they've pirated and wouldn't go see in a theater because they have it for free. Um, once again, I do think streaming services is a big part. But not it's not the sole reason, um, and I wouldn't even say it's the the majority of the viewership that's in decline. Um, like I said, eleven percent that's that's billions of dollars. Yeah, that's a lot. That is big, and uh, I think maybe I wonder if it check how it checks out like worldwide though. It seems like the international money's going up as the domestic box office shrinks a little bit. So Possibly, would- and that's because you're seeing a. a huge increase in viewership in like China and, and other markets um, that w- wasn't there really beforehand right. and that's just because there weren't that like the movie theaters yeah um, 
but yeah, I don't want to completely rehash. Like I said, I thought we had a pretty good discussion on the piracy issue last episode, so definitely check that out if you haven't heard it. Uh, we both stand by our opinions, I'm sure. But I do. I just wanted to say that I, that is a great point about like even just the the TV that Hulu, Netflix, Amazon is putting out there, and HBO and and all that. Like the quality is so good that. Especially, like, this season of Game of Thrones has been incredible so far, and it's, like, movie-quality stuff on your television screen once a week. You know, it's just, the, like you said, the competition just for quality content in general is a lot stronger now. So, I think for normal TV, these streaming services and HBO and Stars, that is killing the, the, um, the TV industry yeah. in terms of how it used to be. Um, and it's kind of reinventing itself. And I think in a great way. I think the quality of TV is going up. Um, For sure. Just the- like the average show, I think, you know, the quality. If you take 10 years ago, the average grade or rating you would give just any random show or all the shows combined, I feel I feel like that number is going up. Yeah, yeah. And I think the, the number of big hits are, are going up. Yeah, I mean, the ratings for Game of Thrones this year are insane. I think it finally passed Walking Dead as the biggest show on television. And that's on a premium cable channel, so... Wow. Pretty impressive. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, thanks for the email, Edgar, and looking forward to taking you down once again in the fall box office draft in a couple weeks. Who's winning the summer box office draft? Uh, we'll get we'll talk about that before, before we uh, do the fall, right? We don't need to... All right, all right. All right, you won, but it's not officially over for a couple more weeks. Oh, it's been over. <laughs> it's been over for a while. All right, let's move on to the fate of the furious. Do you have a plot synopsis? Do I? My only plot synopsis was, like <laughs> I said in the opening, that it's all about family. All about family. Yeah. Um, yeah. This is basically eighth movie in this franchise uh, brings the whole gang minus Paul Walker uh, back together. And this time, it's Charlize Theron as the villain, a hacker chick straight out of the 90s with dreadlocks and all. And yeah, had 66% on Rotten Tomatoes. Um, before we get into it, what is your experience? I know, I can't remember from the last time we reviewed one of these, but what is your experience with this franchise? Have you seen them all? Did you see the seventh one? Were you looking forward to this? What do you got for me? So, uh, I mean, I had watched the original one, uh, The Fast and the Furious, back when it came out in, what, early 2000s, late 1990s? I don't know the exact date. Um, I feel like I liked it. Yeah, it, it was kind of, I'm not going to say it was original, because back then, all those movies were kind of similar in their 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 editing styles, um, how they kind of did a lot of things in, like, fast motion and blur buys. Um, and apparently... The original Fast and Furious was just a point break re, re uh, like knockoff, but I haven't seen it. So wow, well, um, but and I, I kind of liked it. Didn't love it. I didn't ever think they'd want to make sequels. You know, who would want to go see it again? <laughs> um, but uh, so I, I didn't watch any of the sequels because I didn't like it enough to, to see a sequel. And then we came to review. I think it was either the fifth one or the sixth one or it the thirtieth one. I don't <laughs> remember which one it, it was. It was the sixth one, and we had Jonathan Cook from Screen Verdict Podcast on as a guest. Oh, um, so I had watched uh, four or five in a row. 
uh, for it. Um, and I, I, I hated them. They were terrible. <laughs> and I'm the kind of guy, I find the good in each film usually. Like, I remember you thought the Twilight series was like a 1 out of 10. I was able to give them like 5 out of 10s or 6 out of 10s. And, <laughs> you know, go. it's somewhat enjoyable. Um, these films I can't. I mean, Transformers is better than, than this series. I don't know about that. But... Oh, it is. By far. Um, at <laughs> least Michael Bay understands what he's making. Fair. I didn't watch five in a row, so I can't really relate. But so I, I was actually kind of angry that I was going to waste my money on watching this <laughs> film. I was hoping we would do something else. Hey. Uh, but then I decided, you know what? You can't go into a movie already hating it. Uh, I really, really try not to do that because what's the point? Um, so I, I was able to kind of, not fully, but kind of go into it somewhat objective. But did you catch um, up on the seventh one first? I did not, no. Oh, which my. is against my entire code of honor. Uh, I don't ever believe in watching movies out of sequence, um, even if they don't need to be watched in sequence, which this film really doesn't. I don't it think does, it does. No. no, it doesn't, but your review is null and void because, you know. And I, I can <laughs> completely understand that. I'm because, just once again, I am pretty biased, even though I tried to not be with it. Um, but I was not looking forward to it originally. Yeah, I hear you. I hear you. Uh, I'm kidding about your review being null and void because, yeah, you didn't miss anything. Me and Joel reviewed it. Um, he hated it with the passion. I disliked it. Uh, all you need to know is Jason Statham was the main villain in that movie, and obviously at the beginning of this they convinced him to join their team. But uh, my, as far as my history goes, I'll reiterate it again, that I didn't see the first four, so I've only seen five through now eight, and yeah, I don't get the love for this franchise. I, people go bananas for this, uh, makes a ton of money worldwide, seems like everyone loves, critics even, like can put a positive spin on this franchise, while like you say, Transformers gets... Rightfully so, in my opinion, uh, trash, but I don't see the difference in quality per se yeah. here. Yeah, I, I don't get it. I don't get why people, um, people who I even think have decent taste in movies, they love these films. Yes, yeah, agreed. They think they are made of very high quality, and it's like, are you kidding me? Like, if you look at the first scene where the engine is, is you know, about to blow up, it looks horrible. Yeah. It's one of the worst scenes in movie history. Like, come on. It gets like, more and more over the top every time out. Like, I actually had a decent amount of fun with the sixth movie when there's, like, jumping over bridges with cars and, and like, a ten-mile-long runway finale climax. Like, I actually had a little bit of fun with the sixth one, but even so, I think I gave it, like, a six and a half. And, um, yeah, uh, I'll just go ahead and say... Of the four I've seen, this is easily the worst one yet for me. The worst? Yeah. Um, so I, I can't agree with you there. I don't think it's as bad as the other ones. Um, I would actually say this is maybe number two uh, in terms of best quality. Um, Behind? What's that? Behind what? I would say the first one. The first one at the time was okay. decent for what it was. Um, That's fair. That's fair. But, I mean... Which ones do you think were better? Do you, I mean, t 
Tokyo Drift? You think that was a good one? Like, like, I, like I said, I haven't seen the first four. I, oh, you haven't seen the first four? Yeah, I was going to try to catch up with them, but uh, somehow it slipped my mind. Um, yeah, so I can only go off five, six, seven, and eight. I think I'd say six is the best. Then five and seven are pretty much the same level for me below that, and then this is below that. Okay. Um, hmm. I don't know. See, I... Um, I'll just say, real quick, let's set it up. Uh, directed by F. Gary Gray, who directed Friday, Straight Out of Compton, The Italian Job, Law Abiding Citizen, The Negotiator. So he's got some, some fills to his res- films to his resume. Mm-hmm. Uh, coming off the success of Straight Out of Compton, the game this big gig, starring Vin Diesel, The Rock, Michelle Rodriguez, Tyrese, Ludacris, Jason Statham, Kurt Russell, Charlize Theron, and Helen Mirren. But yeah, I don't know. I, th- I thought this was easily the worst for me. I, I thought it was <laughs> ludicrous, you know. <laughs> See, my, my thing is, okay, I, um, it didn't do too well in the box office, did it, compared to the other films? Mm, I'm going to fact check this, but I'm pretty sure it did Really well, but I'll, oh, I'm really? gonna. I'm gonna I know. I'm pretty sure it cost about two fifty to make, and domestically it made about two fifty, right? Um, I don't know how it did internationally. I don't know how people see it around the world. Um, but I mean, maybe it still did unbelievably. Well. I, I'm not 100 percent sure. Um, it, it made on a 250 million dollar budget. It made 1.238 billion dollars worldwide. I stand correct. How much did it make domestically? Was I right domestically? $225 million. Okay. So I was pretty accurate with my numbers. So over a um, billion dollars on just so that, yeah, I was Wow, that's insane. That is insane. <laughs> um, and I, I, especially with this one, um, it didn't seem like there was as many, you know, cool scenes like in the other ones, even though they might not have been the coolest of scenes. Uh, there weren't that many car races and... And yeah. big explosions and all that kind of stuff. It was very toned down, I thought, um, compared to most of the movies. Until you kind of get to the end when there's a big submarine in play and things are happening with that. Um, it just seemed like a very toned down film. It also seemed pretty... Um, I mean, basically, the, the synopsis uh, is that Vin Diesel kind of turns on his family. Uh, and, <laughs> you know, they're... There's a reason why he's doing it, but you, you'll find that out later in the film. And it's kind of this back and forth between Vin Diesel and his family. Um, I'm going to have to spoil that at some point, by the way, to talk about how ridiculous it is. Oh, it's very ridiculous. Uh, um, real, real quick, though, before I forget. Uh, Furious 7 made $1.5 billion, 350 domestically on a $190 million budget. So definitely did a lot better than this one. Yeah, okay, so it went down $100 million. That's decent. Uh so maybe I was right. Wow. Yeah, wow. I can't believe it. <laughs> um, what was I saying? Oh, yeah, but it's Sorry. pretty tuned down. Now, with the, the the idea of it, wasn't one of the other films, maybe it was the fifth or sixth one, wasn't Michelle Rodriguez kind of flipped as well? She yeah. was against the family? That was the sixth movie, the last one we reviewed. I was gonna Isn't say. that the same story in a way? I mean, yeah, there's small details here and there, but it's the same <laughs> idea that one of the family turns on them. Yeah, exactly. Um, I have that in my notes, said repeating itself with a betrayal, you know, but one was blackmail, one was a brainwash, but it's really the same thing. So it, I, it just 
Yeah, so I, that didn't sit too well with me, but whatever. I mean, what can they do in these films? <laughs> Fair. They've done it all. I mean, I don't know how many races you can do. But, yeah. Uh, but besides that, pretty much everything in this film was very, very bland. Very uh, bland. Which is maybe why I appreciated it more, because it wasn't as absurd. See, uh, and that's... Be- I touched on this in the last episode, I believe, where... That's where I hated this more. I didn't like it as much because, it, yeah, like we reviewed the seventh one and Joel hated it because it's so ridiculous and absurd. But at least that was something different, something to keep my attention and make, I don't know, I, I'd rather have you going big and failing, like going for something and failing, than this. This is so mediocre, generic action. Like this really just put me to sleep. Yeah, and not I mean, literally, but. and also the runtime of about three two and a half hours, hours. And 20, 30, 40 minutes. Ah, I don't know how long. There's no watch, reason for that. Did you watch the extended version? Because I think it is close to almost like three hours for the extended. I edition. don't. I don't believe I did. I think it was closer to two and a half. Yeah, um, yeah. That's so just it's ridiculous. It's that a very absurd. long film for not much happening in it. Uh, and it, it just is kind of back and forth of the same thing over and over again. Uh, Everything's predictable. Oh, extremely predictable. Um, though I have to say, I think Gary Gray kind of realizes, has he directed any of the other ones? I don't mm-hmm. think so, right? Mm-mm. Mm-mm. I think he kind of realizes, or maybe it was the writers who realize what they're creating. They're, it's, starting, they're, it's starting to become a Michael Bay effect. Oh, where they're sure. realizing that they're creating crap. And they, they're almost making it campy in a way. Like, I, I laughed a couple of times in the film, not because of the jokes, so their jokes were terrible in the film, but there was just such stupid moments that you could not laugh. Um, See, that's how I felt about the last one, but not so much this one. It is the same writer, I think, for most, if not all. Chris Morgan is the same guy, at least for the past, like, five or six. He's been the sole writer on these things. Really? Wow. I, maybe he's realizing, because I, I, I laughed at a, a, some of the absurdity that was almost like implanted in there on purpose. Um, it's possible. Because it wasn't like in the earlier films, they took themselves seriously, and it was like awful. Like, I mean, when a yeah. film realizes how bad it is, then it can be good and enjoyable. But <laughs> if you realize how bad you are, make it better. I don't know. Well, I mean, when Michael Bay's making you know billions of dollars on his films, and he knows they're bad, why make them any different? Well, that might be changing, uh, as you know, from selecting the new Transformers movie in the box office draft. Uh, how much did it make? Did it still make about eight hundred million? Oh no, it's coll- worldwide. It's collapsed. It's a huge drop off from the last one. I feel like. Let's see. And the last one made like 1.3 or 1.2 billion. This is how much I care about Fast and the Furious. I'm googling Transformers box office numbers while we review it. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I mean, I don't yeah. know what here to is, really here say about. Okay. Oh, 586 million worldwide. Wow. That's, that's, that's terrible. Is very shocking. Yeah, the last one I, made. That's terrible. We're saying terrible in relationship to its. Well, earlier film. It also had a $220 million budget, so <laughs> might not even have broke even. The last one made $1.1 billion, so... It's a big drop-off, but still, I mean, a lot of films would love to make $500 million. 
Yeah, a lot of films would like to have a $220 million budget to play with. Well, but anyway, back to... We, we digress. Yes, back to Fast and Furious. All right, so the reason that I suggested top five worst villains of all time is because, and I hope you're feeling me on this, I like Charlize Theron a lot. Like, thought she was brilliant in the new Mad Max movie. She's always solid. I want to see Atomic Blonde. She's getting good reviews there, but wow. Her villain here, like I said in the in the beginning, just straight out of the 90s with a hacker with dreadlocks and cliched and the worst dialogue I've ever heard. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, her dialogue was horrific. Um there's no way anyone could deliver it. I mean, like you said, I, I think she's a pretty good actress. And I want to see Atomic Blonde as well. It seems like she, she does a great job in that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but in this film, absolutely, she was horrific. Yeah. Um, I mean, just one all of her motivations. Like, what her motivation was kind of that, and I like this motivation for a lot of villains when it's, they are actually, they think they're doing good. She's trying to make it so that uh, every, uh, you know, first world country, every mega nation, or uh, I can't think of the right word, but every um, large nation doesn't cross the line and do, do something uh, that's negative for the entire world. She's trying to stop that by threatening them with nuclear weapons. Yeah. Um, and I kind of like that motivation of them thinking they're doing something good for the world. But for her, it just did not fit at all, and it wasn't even a real motivation. Um, but even that is such a cliche at this point, the villain who thinks they're doing right. And... It's becoming a cliche, but I think you can still do it very effectively. Yeah, you can, um, <laughs> but not but here. But for her, I mean, I think they just kind of threw that in there, but she really that wasn't really her motivation. No, I think not She at was all. kind of just crazy. And, yeah, yeah. Um, and and really- so... Go ahead. Oh, go ahead. I was just going to say, really, the character motivations for every single character in this movie, I did not understand. Like, didn't make sense at all. Why the Vin Diesel thing, the uh, the motivations for him to turn on his family, uh, that didn't really uh, come across to me either. Are you being serious? Yeah. Should I spoil it? Yeah, all right. The- Spoiler alert. Spoiler. We got to talk about this. It's... Yeah. This movie's been out for a long time. It's made over a billion dollars. If you skip ahead two minutes, if you don't want to know, the fact that he turns on his, we're not. I don't got friends. I got family. For a kid that he just is assuming is legitimately his because she said so. Didn't know he existed until this minute. Immediately turns his back on his real family for that. Without doing any investigation, without, you know, any kind of fact-checking, just boom. I'm going with this evil person because of that. No, I mean, come on. You know, I, that's, I think that's actually pretty legitimate in a way. I know the way you're, you're kind of like setting up the straw man for the argument, but... <laughs> what? I mean, How's why would he man? not believe that that's his kid? Um, and wouldn't you do anything for your child? Okay, even if I mean, it, now, of course, blowing up the entire world, possibly. Yeah. I mean, would you do that for your child? You probably would. Would you really hold pretty on, much hold on, hold on. shoot your child in the head? 
my child, yeah. my child that I, you know, raised and. Does it matter? I mean, I don't have a kid, so I don't know. But I feel like as soon as like the child's born, and you know that's your child, which he, there's no reason not to believe. Okay, it's fine. I'll, I'll concede that point. But you're not going to anyway. Just shooting a baby in the head anyway. Come on. It no. Well, <laughs> I feel I like guess. he took some drastic measures pretty instantly. Where, I don't know, he would do at least a better job in kind of secretly letting his family know. Or... I guess initially, you know what, you're you're right in the sense that the way it's set up when he is just given a phone that has like a video on it. I mean, maybe if we saw that video, which yeah. we didn't need to see, uh, no, we maybe that, uh, I mean, that legitimately could have then. But talk about up. cutting off your nose to spite your face. I mean, no, don't kill him. I'll help you blow up the world, start World War Three. <laughs> Even if, uh, you know, if her plan succeeded, what kind of life was he going to have with this newfound son? True, but I mean, I don't think that's that crazy of a motivation for uh, no. character. I don't, I'm seeing your child's life. Come on, man. Right. Out of all the things you can pick on this film for, that's what you're going to pick on it for. All right, how about this character motivation? Jason Statham immediately joining their side. In yeah, I didn't, I didn't get that. I, what Was it to get revenge on her? Well, especially, had, especially because you didn't see the last movie where he was like, you know, the badass villain that they all were trying to kill the whole time. Are you sure that wasn't Six? Because I've seen him before in the movies. Hmm. I'm pretty sure he was in six. I think he made a like, just like a cameo in six. He was like, I mean, look, there was a scene in seven where literally, literally Jason Statham and Vin Diesel characters are playing a game of chicken with their cars going like 100 miles an hour towards each other, and they just slam into each other at full speed, get out, crack their necks, and start fist fighting. So, <laughs> <laughs> you know, that's what I was. I was really hoping. Uh, like how did how did you like the rivalry between The Rock and Jason Statham? I hated it. You hated? It? I, I actually wanted to see them fight. Like I thought, man, this might be the only interesting part of the film. Like <laughs> I was hoping that when the doors opened in the prison, they were going to fight. But I'm not a big fan of uh, The Rock in in these movies. Are that, you, I, I mean, are you a fan of him in any movie though? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, some of them. Moana. He was <laughs> no, I, I've liked The Rock in the past. I I liked him in Pain and Gain. Okay, yeah, I, I'll give you that. Yeah, Pain and Gain was So, good. I don't know. I <laughs> He's got charisma. I just feel like it doesn't really work for his character in the in these movies, personally. I don't know. I kind of... I think he does kind of work a little bit. I mean... I don't know what other kind of character he would be, you know, uh, besides his big muscle head. Yeah, I, I don't know. I just feel, well, because he's like a renegade cop. I don't know. I just comes off. I mean, like, I feel like he's a pretty good Bruce Willis, if you ask me. <laughs> you <know>? Yeah, <laughs> he should be the new diehard. <laughs> yeah. All right, I don't want to talk about this movie for an hour, so I got a couple more things, and then we should move on, right? Alright. Uh, did we miss Paul Walker? Was that why I hated this movie? Because Paul Walker's amazing acting wasn't gracing us with its presence here? 
Uh, I mean, that's a good point to make. No, that's not the reason why. Um, what did he really add to the other film? Nothing. <laughs> Absolutely nothing. It felt like the same film. Um, yeah, it's true. But I, I don't know. I guess... I agree. There's no way that that's the reason I like this less than the others. Because, I mean, if being bland and generic is my biggest fault with the movie, I mean, he is as, was as bland and generic as it gets. But there was something about the, him and Vin Diesel's character's interactions. I don't know. I feel like it could have added a half a half a point, maybe. Uh, maybe possibly. Like, in the very first film... They had a good relationship. I, I liked it. it. It was interesting. It was dynamic. Uh, in the later films, I felt it was very static. It was kind of just the same thing over and over and over again. Yeah, that's true. Maybe, I mean, it could have been revived in this film if he was still alive and in it. Maybe. But I, I doubt it. I think it would have been the same old, same old. Yeah. Maybe not, though, because now that Vin Diesel turned on him, maybe, I guess, it would have revamped it. Yeah, you never know. We will never know. Uh, what did you think of the set pieces, the action in this one? In 6, you had them, what, driving a car from building to building. Um, you know, they always got this big thing here. I guess the first one was the big wrecking ball. And then the second one was, like, the submarine chase on the ice lake. Yeah, so the wrecking ball was kind of a cool idea. I think this film had really cool ideas and some of them looked okay. Uh, I think the Wrecking Ball was a cool idea. Um, I liked it. The submarine, okay. not at all. It didn't even make sense. Oh, I mean, yeah. At first, the cars were getting away, and now a submarine getting out of water is faster than these cars. <laughs> that, how is that? I don't get it. Um, I think one of the earlier pieces, though, was actually pretty decently done. The, the reasoning behind it was stupid. When uh, Throne hacks thousands of cars in this city which is not how any of that works <laughs> yeah um Are they all smart done cars? like that um but well it's not even that they're smart cars i mean every car nowadays pretty much has a computer chip in it and can be hacked and almost anything can be hacked but not in the way she did it yeah um, yeah but being able to control where they're going all <laughs> at, at different in different ways and different locations and blah 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 but anyway it looked cool when you see all of these cars just driving out of a parking garage, falling down on top of them. That looked pretty cool. It's like a rainfall of, of cars. I thought that was pretty cool. Yeah, and also, when thousands of cars uh, kind of trap the, the uh, limousine in the street, that was pretty neat. And you see Vin Diesel walking kind of like in full body armor with a big, um, you know, I don't know what you would, what you call it. Um, one of those saws. Oh, um, yeah. I thought that looked cool. I, I was actually, I was like, wow, that's that's neat. I, I would say that's the best action scene in the whole film is that, that uh, hacking moment. All right, yeah. I pretty much agree with everything you said there. So um, I guess what we should expect for Fast and Furious 9 is Charlize Theron to get taken out of jail and forced to work with them against the next big villain. <laughs> <laughs> That's the trend here. <laughs> All right. Uh, before we give our reviews, I mean, ratings, it, the evolution of this franchise starts out simple heist movie with a lot of racing, 
Now there's almost no racing, and it just gets bigger and more worldwide, global, and bigger every time out. Pretty uh, interesting way to go. Oh, it's a pure marketing scheme with uh, let's add this country in for one seat and this country in for another mm-hmm. and this one for a third. Like it, It's just to, to get people to go, oh, wow, it takes part of my country. Let's go to... Let's go to the theaters to watch it. That's all it is now. Uh, it's completely changed from what it originally was, which was a car movie. Yeah. The cars in this film, well, I mean, I'm not a big car guy. I like good-looking cars, um, and I can appreciate the aesthetics of a car. Not so much the engine and all that kind of stuff, but I, I like the look of a car. There wasn't much in this film. Yeah, there was a Lambo for a very, very short amount of time. Um, I mean, there were some cool military vehicles and some other small, nice vehicles here and there, but it wasn't, it's not a car movie anymore. Oh, and no, that's why I'm surprising that it's getting bigger and bigger. It's, it's going away from what everyone likes about the films. Yeah. It's a superhero movie now. This is like the X-Men with cars. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, I think it's one of the worst ongoing franchises out there. I, th- I think Transformers is still worse, but uh, mm. no, I I I think this is <laughs> by far worse than Transformers. Get back to me after you see the seventh movie, okay? But <laughs> yeah, this it's crazy that they've already greenlit two more of these, and we're at least getting ten total. So will it ever end? I hope so, but probably not. What will you give it out of ten? I'm going to give it a six out of ten. Wow, I'm. Shocked. Yeah, I, I almost feel like I'm. I am bolstering it up to try to negate my bias with these films. Yeah. Um, because if you really look at it, is it that horrible of a film? No. No. It's not a good film by any means, but is it that horrible like a Sharknado? No, no. So I. It's not that I, far I off, though. What's that? It's not that far off, but no, it's not that bad. I think it's pretty far off. Now, of course, Sharknado is purposely doing it. Um, yeah. But still, they're doing it badly with Sharknado 5. Oh, my God. <laughs> I will give it a four and a half out of ten. Four and a half. All right. Yep. No argument for me there. Okay. So, I will say, there have been a lot of bad villains. And <laughs> Charlize Theron could have easily made this list if we did this in two years and I had more time to think about it. But I don't know if she makes the top yeah, there is. There have been a lot, especially with some of like the superhero movies. But it doesn't have to be like a villain. Villain. It could just be an antagonist in a movie. A lot well, of good I ones. Looked, a lot of bad ones. What, what are your thoughts? Well, I, I instantly came up with my top five, and then I looked at all these lists just to see once again, like what I always say, just to see if I'm in the realm of of reality. And pretty much every single list, including mine, we're all like everyone's dead on the nail like everyone's hitting it perfectly everyone has like the same number one it alternates between a couple films but it's like over and over and over again the exact same ones um so i think it's pretty clear like whatever you can imagine as being the worst five villains is more than likely on it now these are the worst five villains of big popular films yeah true uh, um i'm sure there's definitely horrible films that you know you go back in and look at them. Just they're a horrible film all in general, um, in every way. So, 
Yeah, I kind of went that way too. You're right. There are a lot of obvious choices. So I feel like I have maybe one, maybe two that that might uh, not have been on your list. But guess what? Maybe. Um, But it's definitely one I at least probably thought about. It's just this is one of the easiest lists, I think. Um, Yeah, I was surprised. I thought I'd have to think, you know, I thought I'd like. You know, I have a lot to choose from. It's really, there's like mm, 10 or so. Oh, really? Oh, I thought there was just so many. Like, I I could just think of them all. Like, I could have made a top 30. Um, yeah. I thought there was just so many to pick from. But the obvious worst. Well, I will kick it off with yes, my number five. Uh, now, this one wasn't on really any of the lists um, out of like the 40 I looked at. But this is my most hated type of villain, um, Generic rich white guy? Not... Businessman? <laughs> not rich, but a very generic uh, white guy. Colonel Miles Quadric. Uh I think that's how you say his name. He's played by Stephen Lang. He is the villain in Avatar. <laughs> the biggest movie in cinema history. Um, I thought he was actually pretty good in that movie. Are you lying right now? No, I thought he... I mean, he is a generic villain, but I thought he at least... He's the most generic, <laughs> most forgettable character in any film. I don't know. I the can... only reason, reason why I remember it is because it's stuck in my head that I hated him so much. I mean, I didn't really like Avatar as much as everyone did, but I mean, it's the highest grossing film of all time. Visually, it's it was amazing for its time. Yeah. It still is amazing. Um, yet, how can the writing be that bad? And how could a central character, a truly central character to the film, he's not kind of like a Hannibal uh, that's only in the film for 10 minutes in the whole film. He's a primary character. Um, and he's that bad. It, it was, he's by far one of my most hated villains uh, or not just villains, but top or um, characters in general. <laughs> See, I just, I hate him. I hear what you're saying. I, de- I definitely hear what you're saying. He is very generic written as generic as it gets. I just thought his performance, he gave a little bit extra to it. I thought he did his best as, <laughs> as he could you're with the material. So dead wrong. I mean, no. look, all right. No. I, I can one up you with generic rich white guy. I had an honorable mention. I don't even know his name. From uh, Quantum of Solace, the James Bond movie, the sequel to Casino Royale. Um, hold on, you're talking about um, um, Country for Old Men? Uh, no, 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 that's Spectre. That's Spectre, oh. Let me look it up. Let's see, Quantum of Solace. I can't even think of who it would be. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's the worst. I just can't even think of the movie, Quantum of Solace. Which one was that? That's the second one. That was the worst one of the Daniel Craig ones. It's uh, Dominic Green is the villain. I mean, he is literally just as generic as it gets. I'm telling you. I have no idea. Exactly. That just proves my entire point. But uh, my number five, it's an obvious one. Luckily... He rectified it with the reboot of the franchise and a completely different take on the character. But it's Deadpool from the uh, X-Men Origins 
Wolverine. I will mention movie. for me, yes. Uh, I thought at least they got the character a little bit correct in the beginning before he turned into the, like the mutated version of himself, Wade Wilson. But, I mean, this was a character that I loved in the comics. You know, Merc with the mouth, smartass, breaks the fourth wall, you know, and they turn him into a guy who can't even talk. He shoots laser at it. Yeah, come on! He just looks but like I, a zombie. Like it's, it was it, the it, worst decision I've ever seen for like an iconic comic book character. Well, would have made it though. I, I think I fully agree. If when they would have uh, when they closed his mouth shut, if he would have still been like mumbling after, you know, like still trying to talk, you are, I think I, that yeah. would have made it fine. Like everyone would have been like, "Yeah, that's pretty good." Then I don't know if that would have fixed all the, the not illness, everything, but. but I mean, I mean, I'm not even the biggest fan of the new Deadpool movie, but it's it's the character they got right. Yeah, yeah. So I, I like I said, honorable mention uh, before the mutation or before the transformation, it was a perfect character. That was a perfect. It wasn't perfect, uh, but it was pretty good. It was good. It was very good. <laughs> that movie sucks. Well, my number four is Serlina. From Men in Black Two, oh yeah, uh, she's the the plant lady. Yeah, it's uh, not good. No, and the reason why that's on my list is one, she was a horrible villain, but I loved loved Men in Black, loved it. It was one of my favorite films at the time. Just uh, it was so like I don't know, just refreshing. Um, Sugar, and I was excited for the sequel. So excited, and it comes out, and I'm not going to say I hate the film. But Serlina ruined the film by far. Her and uh, Johnny Knoxville. Oh, uh, yeah. With the second head. Yeah. Just horrible. Like, how do you go from having um, Vincent D'Onofrio to Johnny Knoxville? (laughs) What are you thinking? It's not like you didn't have the money to pay, you know, uh, someone. And I'm not knocking Knoxville, uh, but... Knoxville. Knocking Knoxville. (laughs) Thank you, thank you. I thought <laughs> just now. Um, but one, the, the character creation should have just been so much better. Like, come on. Yeah, the first movie, they were so creative and original. With I mean, I know it was based off a comic book, but I mean, and they just kind of threw it out. For Completely, they, yeah. It was just, it was just pure crap. Um, which was, like, like I said, the biggest reason that I, I remember it is because I loved that film. I loved it and was so excited when they came out with the sequel. Yeah, that's a good pick. I just don't remember the movie enough to like put her on my list, but she sucked, definitely, for sure. I, I remember the opening, and I was so excited. You had, uh, or not the, I don't know if it was the opening, but you had uh, um, Biggs Marksy, or however you say his name, Biggs... Uh, I don't know, man. Biz Markey. I don't oh, know Biz what the rapper's name is from like the Biz Marquis, yeah, yeah, um, yeah. He he's an alien doing this little rap in the beginning. Uh, I don't know. I was excited, and then of course, Serlina is the biggest failure of the film. <laughs> right. Thankfully, they kind of revamped it with the third one. I kind of like the third one. Uh, I know I did. I liked it a lot more than you did. Yeah, I didn't hate it, but I just thought it was like eh, middle of the road. All right, my number four is a character that they took two swings at and they've completely whiffed twice in a row. Uh, 
they've taken a character who, in his original form in the comic books, is a super interesting villain. He is one of the best villains in Marvel Comics. And as we've already mentioned before, they turned him into generic rich white guy. That would be Doctor Doom from the Fantastic Four movies. Wow, okay. Both Um, times. I mean, they did two different takes. The first one, the guy from Nip Tuck. I mean, I was so excited to see Doctor Doom on on the big screen. And that movie is so corny. And he's just so generic, so white bread nothing. And then the second time around... It's played by uh, the Tony Toby Kebbell, I believe, and that too is just—he's so dull, and it's—it's it's betrayal of the character. Which one do you think is worse? I think hmm, <laughs> it's so hard. They're both so bad. I think the sequel is worse because at least the first one, he had the smugness and like the look. To an extent, I don't know. I, it's that's like picking <laughs> between would I rather die by drowning or by burning alive. So, uh, I think the sequel was way, way worse. Uh, uh, no, you're not way worse, but it was worse. Um, yeah, yeah. The guy from Nip, Nip Tuck. I I don't think he. I mean, the writing for him was pretty bad, but I don't think he personally did that terrible. Of a job. Yeah, he was fine before, like. Before he became "quote unquote" Doctor Doom, it was really after that that it was abysmal. So, what's your number three? My number three might be higher on your list. It was higher on everyone else's list, uh, but Venom from Spider-Man Three. Honorable by, mention. Honorable by, mention. Uh, to for Grace. Um, I mean, Venom is like one of the coolest characters in all of comic books, um, and as a Marvel someone who doesn't like Marvel as much as you do, Venom's awesome. I mean, he's, he's cool. He's, he's not just in Spider-Man, but like I said, in, in all of Marvel, one of the coolest characters. Uh, and it's pretty exciting when you hear that he's going to be in the third movie after you see, um, you know, Dr. Octopus in the second one, you're, everyone's all hyped up like, oh my gosh, this was awesome. Now we can't wait for Venom. And then it's the biggest letdown ever. Not to um, mention, Sam Raimi, like, master of the horror movie, really feel like he could have done something special with Venom, you know? Well, I, from what I remember, and I don't remember, I, maybe I shouldn't even say it because I don't remember it completely clearly, but I don't think he wanted to for Grace as... No, he didn't want Venom at all. The studio forced him to use Venom as a villain, so he decided... Well, if you're going to make me do it, I'm just going to make him, like, uh, also ran, toss him in here for 20 minutes. Is that what it was? Yeah. Huh. I wonder why he didn't want him in there. I don't Maybe I feel like he he didn't maybe, think he maybe could he was justify waiting for it. For the fourth yeah, movie. something like that. Who did he want? Uh, I think he wanted the Vulture. Oh, I think we talked about this, didn't we? Yeah, I think so. I think we just talked about, like, two episodes ago. <laughs> um, yeah, it's, oh, well. a, it's an honorable mention for me. Um, my only reason I didn't put it on the list is because I just read... I've read some... I've been reading comics again, and I've seen Venom pop up a few times, and I don't know if it's just the current iteration, but even, like, this Carnage series that came out with... And they have Eddie Brock as a new symbiote character. 
I don't. I think. I think maybe Venom is only cool in the '90s. I don't know how well that character holds up nowadays. Really? I don't know. I don't know. I I loved Venom too. It was definitely one of my favorites. Loved the, you know, that whole run when he first showed up and in Maximum Carnage. And I am looking forward to the the new movie coming out with Tom Hardy as Venom and Carnage as the villain. But yeah, I'm just wondering if maybe that was like a you had to be there. And maybe it's just it's hard to do now, but we'll see. I don't know. I think I mean, maybe maybe you would have more knowledge of it than I would. But I would think Venom is still one of the best you know characters. I feel like if you made it like a pure horror movie, sci-fi, like evil version like, of Spider-Man is basically what he is. I yeah, mean, I, yeah. I have to feel like it's still possible to make a great Venom character. And if anyone's going to do it, I mean, Tom Hardy could be that guy. All right. My number three. I know you're going to agree with me here. I'm just going to say it. It's uh, Yoga Hosers. Oh, I didn't even think of that. <laughs> yeah. My God. <laughs> this honestly could have been number one. But uh, <laughs> yeah, uh, I didn't know if recency bias, so I put it at number three. These little sausage men... And also, like, the main Nazi guy that creates them, it's just laughably bad. Oh, yeah. It's, I mean, I'm trying to think, did he true? I mean, I almost feel like he purposely made it, like, this bad. I watched an interview where he said all he wanted was, like, ten people to ever like type thing. Like, he wanted, not that he wanted that, but he wants, like, these teen girls or he calls them something else, tween girls. I'm not sure what that means. That's kind of um, creepy, but uh, no, there's no <laughs> way. <laughs> How would anyone like this? He's just so, I think he's... He just, it's a misfire. It's a complete and utter misfire. It's one of the worst movies ever made. It's okay. Just get back on your horse and try again. <laughs> yeah, I mean, because I know everyone hates him now. Moose Jaws is next, holy shit. But, I mean, Red State wasn't that bad. Either um, was Tusk. Yeah, Tusk wasn't that. I mean, he he even realizes like he I, I, one interview I watched with him, he knew that it, it, he kind of made it campy uh, the way the the rubber suit looked on him. You know, like yeah, but he, you know the warning signs were there with that Johnny Depp character. Yeah, but I, I actually kind of like Tusk not a whole lot, but I think I gave it like a seven out of ten or something. Yeah, um, I think yeah, go listen to that review. I think we did a pretty good job. But this, yeah, Yoga Hosers was. Just disgusting. Yes. Yes. Number two. My number two. Uh, and the other reason why I actually have this, and it could be once again, like you said, uh, recently, uh, not seeing it, but thinking about it. Um, Battlefield Earth. Uh, the villain's name was Turl. It was John Travolta. He was basically a um, um, like a security guard that wanted to get out of Earth and. Um, get back to his planet um, or whatever. I've never Did seen you ever, it. You never saw Battlefield Earth? No. It is a really, really bad film. It is one of the worst films ever. It's almost as bad as Yoga Hoosers. Isn't it basically like the story of Scientology? No, so it's not It's not uh, about Scientology really at all. But I, I heard that it was see, like... But it, it, oh, it's very related. I mean, obviously, or not obviously, but John Travolta is one of the highest-ranking members of Scientology. Um, 
so he more than likely wants to get you know some of L. Ron Hubbard's uh, famous yeah, yeah. fiction made, which Battlefield Earth is one of uh, L. Ron Hubbard's fiction uh, stories. Okay. Um, so it, it's not really it's not about Scientology, but it is the Scientology creator's uh, work, um, and that's why after you know, that's why I've been so much into Scientology that this has popped up so many times. And I remember watching it as a as a, a kid, thinking, "Oh my god, it's like is this what film is? Like this is terrible." <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's a notoriously awful movie. Yeah, it's really bad. <laughs> and John Travolta, I actually I love John Travolta. I think he's a fantastic my uh, man. But he did a horrible job acting in this and everything. In everything, most things, yeah. No, Michael. Um, you didn't like Michael. Phenomenon. Phenomenon. You didn't like Phenomenon. <laughs> Uh, one movie that I've always wanted to get you to watch, I think it's called Civil Action. Uh, let me take a look. Uh, it's a lawyer film. I loved it. Um, you might not like it. What about uh, as uh, O.J. Simpson's lawyer in American Crime Story? I haven't seen it. <laughs> He's like, like it? I like the show, but he is laughably bad in it. Is he? Yeah. You really don't like John Travolta? I hate John. I like him in Welcome Back, Cotter, and I like him in Pulp Fiction. And I think really, that's, that's, that's I've never heard anyone not like John Travolta. That's crazy. He ain't converting me. I'll tell you that. <laughs> but um, in this, he's really, really bad, and the dialogue for him is just—it's—it's it's atrocious. I mean, the the things he says are so badly written. Uh, if, if you ever want to get a whole bunch of like memes, you should watch that film and half the lines could be a meme. All right. Uh, next time we do a, an intentionally bad movie review, maybe we'll do that. I remember uh, me and Joel, when we did our top five worst movies of all time, uh, same time we reviewed um, Fifty Shades of Grey, the first one, we, we also reviewed The Room. Which, oh, really? yeah, that, that was a lot of fun. But, uh, alright, my number two is basically Joel Shoemaker going number two all over Batman with his uh, entire rogues gallery in the two movies he made. Mr. Freeze, uh, Poison Ivy, Bane, Two-Face, The Riddler. No, The Riddler was for, originally for Batman Forever, but... Mr. Freeze is my number one. Okay, yeah. I mean... <laughs> Let me put you on ice. <laughs> <laughs> so bad. Like, just Bane? <laughs> Did you, do you remember the original Bane? <laughs> I do remember the original Bane. So um, bad. So bad. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, the, I guess the thing is, I, Mr. Freeze was the worst out of all of them, but they're all very comic booky. That's like... Arch, yeah. There, it's <laughs> not that they were that close to the comic books. No, it was more like the '60s television show. Yeah, it was very campy, extremely campy, but maybe not necessarily made to be campy. Um, yeah, so it, it obviously. I mean, it's everyone knows it's terrible, but it has yeah. to, it has to be said. 
it's it's up there. Oh yeah. All right. So that's your number one. I guess I'll go to my number one. Okay. Can you guess it? Can I guess it? It's something that's never been said, right? Uh, never been said. Well, not by us. Yeah, hasn't been mentioned yet. I have no idea. All right. It's <laughs> it's a movie starring Mark Wahlberg. Okay. Um, the Happening. It's Mother Nature. Oh, that's that's your number one. Yeah, that is the worst. That no, it's not. That oh, movie. Come that on. that is one of the worst movies ever made. That is one of the stupidest things I've ever seen on film. Literally, like it's not like the I get it like the idea that the atmosphere is doing this, but the way they convey it's so not cinematic. Like the way they convey it, they just go to like a a shot of a tree with the, the wind blowing the leaves, and that's like it, it wasn't like, like the pollen pollen from the trees or something. Not even the pollen. I think it's just <laughs> the atmosphere. Or Are you something. sure? Maybe it's the pollen, pollen, but the the the. the it's terrifying. Wow, the wind is blowing. You know, it's just maybe it's not a terrible idea for like a book or something like that. It's just not cinematic at all. And it's, it's Mark Wahlberg, bless his heart, tries so so hard to make it uh, work, and it just makes it all the worse. So that's. I mean, it's I'm not like. a good film, but I mean, come on. That's your number one. Talk about memes. Some of the lines Mark Wahlberg says are uh, iconic. So iconic that I can't remember any, but... I mean, if you would have said, like, the generic aliens from Signs or something... Well, don't give me... I, I don't like Signs either, but... But, all right, I, I don't think Mother Nature. Mother Nature, yep. Any honorable mentions? No, the other one was, um... Oh, what was it? The uh, the Deadpool. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. My only other one that hasn't been mentioned is King Koopa from Super Mario Brothers. I saw that on the list. I don't remember. Like, I mean, <laughs> it's basically Bowser, right? He's basically trying to be Bowser, or you know, King Koopa. <laughs> it's just a guy with weird hair, like. <laughs> Oh, yeah, spiky hair. Yeah, what? <laughs> but, anyway. It was Dennis Hopper, right? Yeah, it was Dennis Hopper. I guess maybe they thought just his craziness could, could you know, get the job done. But it didn't. But let's move on to what else we watched in the Absolutely. past week. Absolutely. Uh, I think there's one thing we both watched. Ozarks. Ozark. Ozark. There's no S? No S. Maybe season two will be Ozarks. Oh. Yeah, the, the Netflix television series that uh, I talked about on the last episode. I watched the first few episodes. We both yes. finished it, though. We did, yeah. I watched it pretty much all in one day. Um, I am just a huge Jason Bateman fan. Love him. Um, it started with Arrested Development and spread into it, all of his other films. Um, I just love him. So I was so excited to see this. I get into it. I kind of wish you wouldn't have told me exactly what it was about. Sorry. Um, no, no, it's okay. But uh, but it is com- exactly what you said. It's basically the opposite of Breaking Bad. It's a guy who's in kind of you know the drug business, 
trying to get out. Um, breaking or good. just survive. Yeah, breaking good. Not so much that he's a good person, but... Yeah. Uh, and it's a mix with that and the accountant, basically. That's all it is. Um, I loved it. Holy you did? God, I loved it. Really? I can't wait for season two. This is why I don't watch... Um, shows until they're completely over so i can just binge watch binge watch every episode wow I'm um, surprised. man it was good it i i loved it loved it loved it loved it. is it breaking bad no it's not that quality um but it's really good it's good it is good. And, I, and i hate family type of stuff because it, it does center a lot around kind of family interactions and that's not my biggest cup of tea uh that I like, but I loved it here. It was good. It was good. It was good. It was very good. Um, Jason Bateman, though, easily the best part of the show. Oh, by far. And but but his wife, she's good. Like in, in, in um, Breaking Bad, I, I can't remember the actress's name, but I hated the wife in Breaking Bad. Hated her. Uh, so annoying. Skyler. It wasn't even something that I liked to hate, uh, like certain villains and stuff. I just. I didn't like her character at all. Um, here in Ozarks, I love the wife. Fantastic. Have more ch- uh, time, you know, in the, in the show. Yeah, Laura Linney's a great actress, and she did a great job. Uh, the kids weren't even that bad. They had at least somewhat interesting storylines to go. Yeah. The only thing I can say that I don't like, because I feel like I see it coming, uh, is that the old guy that they're living with... So telegraphed. What's that? It was telegraphed. What, what's telegraphed? Uh, you just know that he's going to play a role. Well, he's going to play a role, and he like the reason why he's there because he never truly, truly answers it is because he was probably some kind of you know creepo depot criminal. Yeah, know, in the past. Yeah, yeah, but uh, the parts I I do agree with you it was very. I don't even say I loved it. I I pretty much stand by what I said last time. I thought. The first episode was the best episode of the entire season. You the first or the last? The first. The first. And really? I still think it's good after I don't think like the the redneck family the, all their drama plays too well. Uh, I liked the cop. I liked the cop character how he's kind of like uh, goes goes uh, over the line to get the job done. Um, but I, I don't know like, and I do think it ended really well. I, I thought the last episode or two, the climax was good. Well, Jason Bateman directed the last episode as well. I wow. believe. See, I just like his his eye. Yeah, he, I guess. he's a, he, yeah, he's a good director. Um, yeah, I, I do agree with you. The beginning and the end are the best parts. Some yeah. of the storylines with the the Redneck family are um, they get a little bit iffy. Um, I do like the the girl character of that family who kind of. Her character develops a lot throughout the show. Yeah, and I like that she's extremely intelligent. Yeah. Uh, Gotta feel like her dad is going to play a role in season two. Um, He's in jail the whole time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I was thinking her her dad was the two, one of the two who gets electrocuted. But, uh, um, yeah, yeah, he should probably play a big part. Uh, But... I got the last episode. Oh yeah, it's just what? <laughs> it's crazy. Oh my gosh! Yeah, the 
the older oh. couple. I can't remember the actor's name, but I know I've seen him in a bunch of things. Like <laughs> just season the old two. Lady. Oh gosh. The I way she wait. says, "I'm gonna go get you guys drinks," and you know what that means because they set it up earlier. And just I love the way they're setting up season two to be the the cartel versus this you know redneck mafia basically. Yeah, yeah, but don't don't say too much. Yeah, I, yeah people yeah. who haven't seen it, it's worth watching. It's a big surprise. I mean, at first, I mean, when I watched the first like three episodes, I thought, okay, you know what I really like about this show is that there's enough substance here that there doesn't need to be a cliffhanger. Of course, cliffhangers make shows better. It's always that it's great to be enticed to watch the next episode um, to get that feeling of that rush inside of you, like what's going to happen next. This show doesn't really have that too often. Yeah. True. Every once in a while it does, but not really. In an entire season, like, there's three times. But the third one, which is the final episode, is just, wow. You but, didn't, I didn't see it coming at all until kind of that moment where you realize that lady's crazy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but even, even if this is the only season, I feel like it's wrapped up enough. Like, it's not a huge cliffhanger where it's, like, Breaking Bad oh. end of season three where... It ends yeah, with the gun it is. in the face. Are you kidding me? I mean, I can see what you mean, but I feel like this could be like one of those movies that ends with the ambiguous ending. I'm ah. just, I'm just saying, don't be discouraged by what we're saying. If you haven't seen it, check it out. Yeah, you, you should definitely watch it. I would give it if I gave it uh, TV shows a review out of ten. I'd say heavy seven and a half. Okay, I, I'd probably give it an 8. Um, okay, cool. But I haven't seen an 8 for a while. Yeah. I mean, there's definitely a ton of really, really good shows out there, but I'm, like, saving all of them, you know, for a big watch. Uh, so I haven't, for the last couple of years, really haven't seen an amazing you're, you're, show. You're saving yourself for marriage. We know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> all right, I'll talk about another Netflix series that I watched all in two days. I didn't couldn't do it in one, but... Wet Hot American Summer, 10 years later. Oh, okay. Um, Have you seen the movie or the first Netflix series? I saw the movie, didn't see the um, first season. The prequel, which, yeah. is, which is just hilarious in concept. It was made like 15 years later, and it takes place before the movie. Is it good? Did you, you liked the first season, right? Yes, I did. We reviewed it on the show. I liked it quite a bit. Of course... If you don't know what White Hot American Summer is, it's basically, you know, uh, slaps. It's like bizarre comedy. The people from the state in Saturday Night Live basically combined to just do a, a, like a, a summer camp. Like the, I guess the thing, right, uh, even the original movie so long ago was like they're all playing people way too old. Like they're supposed to be kids in camp, I guess high school age, and it's these grown adults, and now they're even more grown. And it's just like, throw a bunch of stuff at the wall and see what sticks kind of comedy. It's like weird, bizarre stuff. And uh, yeah, I like the first season a lot. I think I gave it a 7.5 out of 10. This was still good. There was still, you know, more hits than misses, but more misses overall. Didn't like it quite as much, but... Uh, it's still funny if you like that sort of thing. Um, I kind of want to watch it. Like I said, I saw the movie, liked the movie, but 
I, I didn't watch the Netflix specials or the seasons, so I might go back and watch all three uh, and see how it is. Yeah, I, I think you'll like it. I mean, it's short, right? It's half an hour episodes. This was eight episodes. I think the first season was like eight or ten episodes, and the only thing I didn't really necessarily like here is that somehow they bring in uh, George W. Bush and Ronald Reagan into the storyline. Oh, really? I mean, it kind of all ties in together at the end, but for a while I'm like, what is this about? Like, I was like, not loving that part, but in the end, I think it might have been worth it. I don't know. Uh, I give it a six and a half out of ten. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's just, if you like this kind of humor, Paul Rudd being this asshole who, he's coming back all the, ten years later, and there's a new asshole, this young kid, and he's like, gets competitive with them, and they have this, this whole entire episode is just a competition (laughs) between them to see who could be king of camp, even though he's like, looks like he's 50. Uh, yeah, it's stuff like that. (laughs) Oh yeah, here's a, here's an example of a joke. You, do you remember the character that's just a can of corn that talks? No. <laughs> All right. Well, he's back, and he's going on a road trip where he's banging girls and doing drugs and all <laughs> uh, weird stuff. <laughs> it's oh, <okay>. weird stuff. <laughs> what else? A you can watching? of corn. I don't remember that. You would think I would remember that. A can of corn. It was like at the end of the movie. I feel like it was a punchline, but it's good. It's it's funny. It's um, a million right. jokes, and like forty percent of them are funny. Okay, it's okay. I mean, if they're legitimately hysterical, then it's okay. Yeah. Um, a show I uh, just found on Netflix today, and I think it's a brand new release. I'm not a hundred percent sure. It's atypical. I feel uh, like I don't know I've if heard, you've heard of it. it. I feel like I have. I'm pretty sure it's just released within the last week or so. Maybe not, though. I haven't seen it um, at all on here, and I just saw it today. What's it about? watching it. It is about basically this kid who has autism, and it's he has a sister and a mom and a dad, and it's kind of like the family life uh, dealing with a child that has autism. Um, it is – it's a show that has brought out more emotions in me – than any other show has in a this like an extremely long time. Um, it is hysterical. I have laughed more at this show than I have at almost any other show um, in the last like five years. I have I haven't cried, um, but I feel like the show might eventually make me cry. I don't know. It seems like it's, it's there are some teary moments. How uh, far into it are you? I'm only in three episodes. And I'm loving it. I'm like, oh my gosh. I can't wait to watch the rest. Like, after we're done here, I'm going to watch every other episode tonight. Um, you recommend it? I should check it out? You you and Sam, 100% you and Sam together should be watching this. All right. Uh, you both will really, really enjoy it from the from mo- like the first moment. Um, the only problem is, because it deals with the kid with autism... Sometimes you wonder, like, should I be laughing at this? Like, right? Yeah. Um, it's basically the kid with autism uh, really wants to start dating, but things don't like he he doesn't understand social cues at all. He um, certain things really like trigger him. 
uh, and not trigger him in the the meme sense nowadays, but really like um, at one point he wears like the leather jacket because he's trying to update his style because uh, his one friend who is very funny gets him thinking that a leather jacket is the way to get girls. <laughs> uh, but the leather jacket has all these pockets and zippers and like metal rings and stuff on it. Um, and so he's in class and he like, he just keeps on like focusing on the zippers and the pockets and the metal rings and all that and the noise it's making. And like the, you know, when rubber or yeah, not rubber, yeah, but, yeah. uh, leather, you know, rubs against leather. Um, but, uh, but so anyway, things like that annoy him. So at one point, uh, he's with this girl and something annoys him. I don't remember what it was exactly, uh, but he's about to get laid for the first time. And it's kind of like this big moment. He's like, wow, it's going <laughs> to happen for him. Like you get invested right away into this kid. Yeah. Uh, he's a fantastic actor. I should look him up. Great. He's going to be a huge actor someday. He's doing a phenomenal job. Um, but something takes him off, and he's about to get laid. The girl takes off his shirt, and all of a sudden, he gets ticked off and pushes her down on the ground um, <laughs> instead of kissing her when she goes in for the kiss. He just pushes her down on the ground. Um, things like that. I don't know if you when you watch it, you're gonna you're gonna love it. Uh, but you are gonna feel kind of awkward about laughing at yeah. things. I think. All right. But but they're just so funny, you can't not laugh. Uh, but you're gonna. You'll be happy. You'll you'll cry. Maybe Sam will definitely cry. Uh, you'll laugh. You'll feel awkward. You'll feel every emotion possible. All right, I like it. I'm definitely. I am it's, definitely going to check good. it out. And it's hopefully, uh, on the next episode, we'll both have finished it by then, and we can uh, give it our full takes. All right. All right. Cool. Um, well, I did watch a, a few movies. I watched like five or six movies. Uh, the reason, as we'll talk about at the end of the episode, and I guess we can mention now, that we're going to not be reviewing a current release next week is because I watched King Arthur Legend of the Sword in preparation of next week, and I refuse to review it. There's just, it's not like it's this terrible movie, but I just have nothing to say about this. It's so mediocre. Um, this is the Guy Ritchie version of King Arthur where a guy from Sons of Anarchy and Pacific Rim plays Arthur and he basically, you know, lock stock and two smoking barrels it up and uh, uh, Sherlock Holmes it up with like this flashy, you know, camera work and action sequences and gritty, it's so gritty and dirty and grimy and boring and just, I think my least, actually, actually my final point is going to touch on this a little bit, but my least favorite genre, I feel like, is fantasy, generic, especially fantasy movie. Like, epic fantasy. Mm-hmm. Like, if it's not done incredibly well, a la Game of Thrones or Lord of the Rings, even though I think they're overrated, I still like those movies. Like, it needs room to breathe, develop characters, and build up to the epicness. But when, I feel like these movies like Warcraft last year, and this is not as bad as that, but where they're trying to be an epic fantasy in like a two, two and a half hour movie, I feel like it almost never works. Yeah, I mean, uh, I would agree with you. You need a lot of time. It can't be epic, 
in an hour and a half, two hours. It can't be. You need uh, very, very long uh, sequels. You need you need trilogies. You need um, three hours for each movie, kind of like Lord of the Rings. And called. you need unique characters and world building. It can't just be... Like, when all that takes time. Yeah. You know? World but, building, you don't just do instantly. Yeah, true. Character building, true. you don't just do instantly. You need... You need to develop it all, uh, which is why I think kind of – maybe not just keeping it to television or HBO series, uh, but I almost feel like that's the way to go with these type of things is that you can build the worlds. Uh, yeah, because like through, – uh, Throughout an entire season or multi-season, you know? Obviously Merlin, Arthur, these are characters that have proven to be – Real characters through you know all the different iterations, but here. Well, Merlin, have you seen the Merlin TV show? No, I haven't, but I, I I've heard of it. It's good. It's very good. Really? Yeah. But like, I feel like every few, or at least a couple times a year, there's a movie like this where it's it's so just character or like. Uh, you know, here's a mage, here's a warrior, here's... And it's just, there's nothing to them other than that. And to me, if I can't get invested in the characters or the story, and if they're all the same tropes over and over again, and it's just, to me, that's like my least favorite kind of movie, where it's long, because they're trying to be epic, but it's not long enough, and it's just a slog. And I, I just, there's no way I could have anything more to say than what I've already said just now, so... Mm. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I've heard how bad it is. I just, I thought there was a chance that it could be good. Uh, it's worth, uh, like, watch the first twenty minutes. There's an action sequence fairly early on where there's some cool, you know, typical Guy Ritchie stuff, like slow motion and speed ramping. That it's kind of cool. It worked a little bit, but just over the course of the movie, it is just not nearly enough. I give it a five out of ten. Like definitely um, better than the Fate of the Furious, but I much prefer to talk about the Fate of the Furious. Well, I'll, I'll go to, through two movies pretty quickly. Okay, one is Tropic Thunder, which is a rewatch. It was just you know, it was kind of one, so I watched it. Um, Still good. Yeah, I really really enjoy. It. It's a funny movie. Uh, Jack Black is awesome in it, whereas I don't like him in too too many movies. Uh, Robert Downey Jr. is hysterical playing um, playing his character. The, <laughs> yeah. I, I really like seeing because I saw Tropic Thunder in theaters, and I remember when those uh, uh, the the uh, trailers came on in the beginning. When I was in theaters, I legitimately thought maybe these were real trailers, and just like I had never heard of these crappy movies before. Oh you yeah, know? so like, good, so uh, good. Like they, they, they tricked me, but of course I was pretty I don't know how young I was. Maybe not too young, but they tricked me. Uh, and now rewatching it again, it's funny to see those and think like how dumb was I? <laughs> Might have been a real trailer. Oh, um, nice. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but it was funny, I really like um, what's his name? Uh, the the titties guy. Uh, what's his name? <laughs> Dan uh, the titties Danny, guy. uh what's it? The titties guy? Who's that? Dan uh, Danny McBride. There we go. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that was pretty yeah, good. He's just, he's funny in it. All. Yeah, he is. He is. Uh, and yeah. then the other, uh, 
I don't know if you want to call it a film or what, but it's Oh Hello. Uh, it has Nick Kroll and John Mulaney. It oh, is, yeah, I've heard of this. Yeah, it's basically uh, a play captured on film. Uh, it's a, a play of two guys making a play, and it's a comedy. Um, I really, really like John Mulaney. He's hysterical. If you ever watch his comedy specials, uh, you'll definitely laugh a ton. I like um, Nick Kroll, so... Nick Kroll, I like sometimes. I don't like his uh, characters. He, he, he's basically a character comedian. I don't like his characters at all, uh, but I really liked him on um, The League, mm-hmm. uh, which is the main reason why I watched this, because, one, I like The League, and I like John Mulaney. So I watched it, and it's pretty funny. It's yeah, it's not. It's definitely not for everyone. Probably 5% of the people, the population, would like it. Uh, I heard it's very specific, and you kind of have to know broadway a little bit to understand what they're making fun of and yeah i mean some of the jokes fell flat on me because i'm i'm not i don't really watch plays at all uh but a lot of the jokes you'll still get a lot of the stuff you'll still find funny okay. possibly if you like that humor some people don't um i just the the voices that they create they try they make sure they overdo the jewish uh sound in their voice um, which it's hysterical that they're playing that they, they, they play that stereotype so perfectly. Um, cool. Yeah. Well, I'm glad it wasn't all bad. Yeah, yeah I, I enjoyed it. It wasn't, I mean, I enjoyed it. I, like I said, probably 5% of the population would like it. It can get a little stale at moments, um, but. All right, cool. Well, I'll, I'll go a couple then. Um, another movie I, <laughs> after watching it, I don't think we have to review. Pirates of the Caribbean 5. Dead Men Tell No Tales. Um, again. So predictable, generic. This is uh, Javier Bardem as the uh, the villain. Another dead pirate come back to life. Uh, you know, Johnny Depp is back. It's the worst of the franchise, in my opinion. Is it? Yeah. Now... I actually went to see it in theaters and fell asleep. It was like there was about fifteen movies in a row that I fell asleep to <laughs> in theaters, and this was uh, one of them. I can definitely um, understand falling asleep to this. Well, it wasn't even. I think I like. I feel like I had like narcolepsy. I didn't even get within like the first five minutes of it. <laughs> um, it wasn't that it was boring. I don't. I mean, it didn't seem too boring at the beginning. What are boring? Uh, wasn't. Yeah, I give it a four out of ten. Wow, that bad. Come on. It's that bad. Your rating system, it just doesn't make sense. Some of the movies you give such low scores probably should be just middle-of-the-road movies. No, this is legitimately bad, in my opinion. Uh, Another one, I watched Personal Shopper. This is a critically acclaimed movie. I think it hit the festival circuit last year and had a small theatrical release this year. This is, uh, what's her name, Kristen Stewart. As a um, personal shopper for a rich or and or famous person, and uh, it's like an indie film where <laughs> she, her brother died of a rare disease, and she shares the same heart defect as him. So the whole movie it's like about her grieving this loss, and you know worrying about. Uh, same thing happening to her while also dealing with this personal shopper thing where uh, something happens on that front 
that is causing a lot of drama. And at the same time, she starts to be able to speak to ghosts. Which is like a weird twist on like a naturalistic indie movie. And, uh, Does it fit in? Somehow it works. <laughs> now, is she really, is she actually just crazy in the film or is she really talking to ghosts? I mean, I'm not going to spoil it. Because I would, I would recommend the movie. Um, I liked it. I didn't love it as much as a lot of critics did. I'd give it like a solid 7.5 out of 10. Uh, Kristen Stewart is actually a pretty good actress outside of Twilight from what I've seen. And this is uh, her second movie with Olivier Asias. I'm probably mispronouncing that, but the director. Uh, she also did Clouds of Sils Maria with uh, that director a couple years ago. And that was pretty good too. Uh, yeah, it's nothing to rush out to see, but something to keep in mind if you happen to come across it. Uh, it was an enjoyable little indie movie. Well, maybe I will take a look. Yeah, um, maybe. For the... I'm going to leave the big movie I watched for last. Okay. So, for the documentary of the week, uh, I watched Tony Robbins, I Am Not Your Guru. Um have you seen this documentary? No, but I've heard a lot about it. And I, I believe it is a Netflix-made one. I'm not yeah. 100% sure about that, so don't quote me on it. Uh, but Netflix is doing some good documentaries. Um, but So, Tony Robbins. Do you know who Tony Robbins is? Of course. Yeah, well, he has the greatest voice in the history of the world. Um, Did you know he cussed this much? Uh No, I did not. And that was <laughs> Actually, that was a shock. Uh but it's basically – he has these big mega events. I think that's exactly what their name is, mega events. Yeah. Maybe not. Um, Motivational speaking, right? Yeah. 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 It's, he, he, uh, but it's like a week-long event or something where people pay thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars to come here and not necessarily even get talked to by him but his staff. Um, but he has these – these moments where he will talk to the entire crowd at, uh, you know, at once and he'll pull out certain people and blah, blah, blah. Um, and this documentary shows this event superbly. Um, from the very, very first scene, watch that first scene. And if you're not drawn in, is, you're crazy. Is it the scene like the with film. the couple? No, no. It is, I've heard um, of it. I don't even want to say what okay, it is. Okay. Because it is a mega, like it's a mega scene. It's epic. It's fantastic. You gotta watch. It. Watch <laughs> that first scene. I don't even I, care if you don't watch the rest of the movie. No, I do want to see it. Scene. I do want to see. It. I heard about the scene where there's couples having issues, and he basically pumps up the guy, and says, "You gotta be the lion or whatever, king of the jungle." And... Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. There, that's a good scene. One scene, and I'll I'll let this um, I'll mention this one. The first scene is probably the best in the whole film. Okay. This scene's pretty cool. Um, this woman gets up and he's talking to her, and he and she's like, uh, she has some problems with her ex, right? And they're working through some stuff, and Tony's, you know, talking to her, and she kind of lets out that she has a boyfriend, and. She kind of says something bad about him, like uh, he just talks too much, you know. Like my ex didn't talk enough, and now my my boyfriend talks too much, and I'm glad he's not here, kind of thing. Just joking, and everyone's laughing, everyone's having a great time, and then Tony, like two hundred or two thousand five hundred people or so, are laughing because they're all having a great time, and Tony Robin looks straight at her and says, 
call him up. You need to break up with your boyfriend now. And it's like everyone just goes silent. Like, what? You're telling this woman to break up with her boyfriend? <laughs> like, just because she made a joke about him talking too much? Um, and so she calls him up, breaks up with him, and it's this just, like, crazy moment. Like, you really just broke up with your boyfriend that I think she's been with for a while. And then what? Because he, of a joke. He gets people to volunteer to watch after her, right? No, no, no. The people just crowd around and they hug her after she's yeah. crying. And, and like, when you watch it, you're at first you're really, really drawn into it. You're like, yeah, he's right. Tony Robbins knows – he knows everything. If he tells you to do something, just do it because this guy is a genius. Um, he really has a great knack for But then you kind of think like – well, what did he go off of? That she made a joke about about him? Like, should he re- should he really be telling someone to break up with their boyfriend or girlfriend, especially if it's been a, a long lasting relationship because of a joke? And then instantly, it gets answered in the next scene where he's like, "Well, I don't go based off of you know kind of superficial things. I saw that." When I mentioned her boyfriend, she made this certain kind of movement. Like I saw her reaction, and based upon her reaction, I knew exactly what what she needed. Um, <laughs> See, to me, my preconceived notion of Tony Robbins is he's a pseudoscience cult leader. I don't know. Like, watch it. I mean, I, I'm almost a believer in him. Like, <laughs> oh my God. I've almost seen a documentary about him, and I've listened to some of his tapes and stuff. Um, just because of some of the stuff he says is really good. Uh, but, I mean, watch the film. Watch the documentary. It's a great documentary. It, yeah, I've heard there. I've heard it's pretty great. So Yeah, I love it. Eventually. Um, and that I'll first scene it. just, oh. I can, I've, I've rewatched the first scene a couple of times. It's good. <laughs> All right. I'll have to check it out eventually. And uh, next up for me, I watched Patriot's Day, finally. Oh, did you? Speaking, you? speaking of Mark Wahlberg and... Uh, John Goodman in here. Uh, I liked it, actually. Oh, my gosh. It's crap. Come on. I liked it. He's serious. It's not great. Don't get me wrong. But I thought, you know, Peter Berg made two movies last year. He made Deepwater Horizon with Mark Wahlberg and Patriot's Day. Deepwater Horizon was like a six, six and a half. Uh, and this I'd give a seven out of ten. I think it's it's like... A completely by the book account of the events, but I don't know something about it. It worked for me in just like a Hollywood, you know, version way. Sam liked it a lot more than I did, but I don't know. I, I thought it was passable. Uh, Boston Marathon bombing. Thought they did a decent job building up the tension leading up to it, and. And then uh, I think the stuff afterwards, they actually did a pretty good job of, like, the chase and the shootout and all that kind of stuff. You didn't like it? No, I really did not like it at all. There is a uh, new film coming out um, that deals with the Boston Bomber, I believe. Um, I'm not sure what it is. I just saw a trailer for it when I was in the movies yesterday or two days ago. I don't know what it is. Is. But no, I, I didn't like this one with Mark Wahlberg. I just, I don't know. It just, um, it almost felt like they were just making a movie to capitalize on this 
you know, this big tragedy. Yeah, that I agree with. <laughs> I definitely agree with that. There wasn't, to me, there was no heart in the film. Um, there's no soul to it. It just, it was, hey, we can make money because people are going to go see this because it's a recent tragedy. Yep. Yeah, I got that feeling. Like, I think it would have been better off waiting five extra years and have Catherine Bigelow make it instead of Peter Berg. You know, someone is definitely going to, you know, do a sensitive and great job of it. But, you know, yeah. for what it was, I thought it was enjoyable. I did not at all. Uh, real quick, Queen of Catway I watched. Have you heard of this? Uh, no, I have not. Disney movie starring, um, gosh, names, names, oh. names. Oh, real quick. it's uh, I think it's called Stronger. It's Jake Gyllenhaal. That's, uh, he's the one who's making... Uh, Oh, one. oh, okay, okay. Yeah, I think I've heard... I like Jake Gyllenhaal. I think I've heard of that. But, uh, yeah, the Queen of Catway is about a girl from Uganda. It's a Disney movie, live action, who... This girl in Uganda, she's, like, really good at chess, and it's basically them trying to build her up to take her to the next level in uh, the game of chess. And it okay. has uh, David Oyelio and Lupita Nyong'o, who are great actors. David Oyelowo was uh, Martin Luther King Jr. in Selma. And uh, Lupita Nyong'o was in 12 Years a Slave. Um, yeah, uh, it's basically, you heard the description, it's Disney version of that story. You know, feel-good story for sure. It's well-acted. It's well-made. But, you know, it's Disney-fied version of it. So, I mean, it's like a decent little movie. I gave it a 6.5 out of 10. Okay. Certainly, you know, wouldn't hurt to watch it. But at the same time, I mean, it's not, you know, a must-see TV. Well, I, I like chess films, so I might... Yeah, I think you'd like it. I think anyone will like it. Just like uh, that movie Race that I watched on the cruise ship earlier this year. Like... These Disney live-action movies, they tend to have a certain settling point, you know? Like, a, between a six and a seven, usually. Oh, yeah. Um, well, the big movie that I just watched in theaters Jim was Jeffers. Dunkirk. Oh. I thought you were going to say <laughs> Jim Jeffries. Uh, no, no. Uh, why would I say Jim Jeffries? What? <laughs> Freedom. Um, no, it was Dunkirk. Uh, you know, awesome. the big Christopher Nolan Absolutely. film. Yeah, I'm uh, excited to hear your thoughts. Yes, so I go in, and this is, uh, I have not had a good movie experience in a very, 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 very long time. This is possibly the best movie experience I've ever had wow. in a theater. Um, there's only like six other people in the whole theater, not one person coughed, talked. Had their phone out. It was great. Um, Sounds awesome. For me, that's the biggest thing. I, I can't watch a movie in theaters because it just if someone sneezes, it gets on my nerves. And, and I know that's bad, but I just – I hate any noise at all while watching a film, and there was none in this film. And even if there was, I probably couldn't have heard it. Um, I walked out of this film thinking it is a masterpiece. It is really? incredible. Now, looking back on it, it is a masterpiece of sight and sound. Um, 
there are definitely some flaws with it now looking back. Uh, but there are most no flaws in terms of the sound and in terms of the visuals. And I'm not the biggest on sound, but it is one of the most important parts of this film. Um, there's very, very little talking. It is almost like just one big, gigantic action scene. There's no breaks for characters talking about their families. or there, There's not much dialogue. Uh, all of the character creation, all of the plot synopsis, uh, everything in this film is shown by action and by visuals. Um, you see who these people are. You see what challenges they need to overcome um you don't need to be told it you don't need to be told this character is intelligent or this character is, is vicious or this character is changing from how he originally was you see their actions and that tells you exactly who they are um it is it is just tremendous when you see the film uh it, it is incredible in terms of visuals in a way that you would never imagine. Um, there are certain films that the CGI just is incredible. Uh, I mean, is if, it when CGI? you watch Avatar... Oh, go ahead. Is it CGI or is it practical? Um, I want to say it's a mixture. Yeah, probably. Um, but uh, there are certain scenes the, the uh, of the sky, just of the sky that are so incredible. Uh, it's just, it's mind blowing. Um, there are some really good fighter pilot scenes in other films. This by far has the greatest fighter pilot scenes in cinema. Uh, just amazing. Amazing. Uh, you just couldn't believe it. It's just, it's incredible. I loved it. Loved it. Loved it. Loved it. Like I said, there are some flaws, um, I mean, historically, I don't know how much you know about Dunkirk. Not much. Uh, but the general idea of Dunkirk, uh, the whole reason why it's famous, is that civilians came and saved the day uh, for the British soldiers. There's a moment in time in the film that that's kind of a deal, a big deal about it. And there is kind of a story arc for that. Uh, but it's not made as epic as in history where – you know, hundreds of thousands of soldiers are saved by civilians. Um, some people might criticize me about that, saying that's not in the film, but it's not as as historical as it should be. Uh, but besides that, who cares, right? Um, as I mentioned, there's even in the the, the movie it mentions how uh, many soldiers there's supposed to be um, involved in this in a very small, compact area, you don't get the feel of 400,000, 500,000 soldiers in the area. It's nothing like, um, um, what do you call it, the storming of uh, Normandy with um, uh, Saving Private Ryan. Yeah, yeah. That, that has this grand epic scale to it, where Dunkirk, I feel, lacks a little bit. Uh, some people say that the, the, the scaling is tremendous. I think they're completely wrong. You don't feel the scale of of the soldier, the number of soldiers and, and everything that's involved. But you do feel the scale of terror that's involved. It's basically a story of just soldiers trying to get home. They're in Dunkirk, uh, which is right across the English Channel from um, where their home is, from where England is, or uh, and they're trying to get over there. People have swam that distance. 
Um, you know, it's a big feat, but people have done it. So it's not that far. It's only like two miles, three miles or something like that. Uh, and yet they just can't get there. And it's that journey of getting home um, is what the whole movie is about. Great film. Everyone should see it. Don't wait for it to be, uh, you know, on Redbox, in Redbox or in uh, on Netflix. You need to see it in theaters. It's completely shot in IMAX. And so see it in IMAX. Um, to, you need the most vivid colors to be shown to you. Uh, the best sound. It is exactly what Tarantino tried to do with um, what, what was his most recent movie? I can't think of the, the title. Hateful Eight. The Hateful Eight, where he shot it purposely um, in, in on a certain camera. Nolan does it, but he actually emphasizes it with what is shown on screen. You need to see it in theaters. You have to. Yeah, I came so close to seeing this in theaters the other day. I just didn't... Uh, I got out of work early, just not quite early enough to catch the screening, so I was a little disappointed. But I am going to try to catch this in theaters before it... Uh, it Do not out. wait, man. Seriously. I know. I mean, it's going to be good at home, but you... I, I don't... I think it would... Right now, it's at a heavy nine. It's a nine wow. for me. Yeah, see, uh, I, I have a feeling it would, it's... At home, I think it would drop to like a, an eight. It's <laughs> that drastic. You need to see it in theater. Feels like a gravity situation. Yes, exactly. It'll still be a solid film, but you're not getting the experience. Yeah, I'm looking forward to reviewing this one a few months down the line. Uh, yeah, excited to see the movie. I've been looking forward to it for quite a while. So glad to hear you loved it. It's, it's uh, great. Will too. Cool. Well, <laughs> to follow up that, uh, I watched Young Frankenstein, the Gene Wilder, you know, comedy classic directed by Mel Brooks, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, it was pretty good. <laughs> you know, it's a Mel Brooks movie. It's funny. It's almost kind of like Wet Hot American Summer of its time, where it's just like throwing a bunch of wacky stuff at the wall, and some of it is funny, and some of it isn't. Yeah, but more is funny than not. I How'd you like Gene Wilder? I like him a lot. He's a great actor, great comedic actor. Um, obviously, you know, Willy Wonka is his iconic role, but he's, at least in everything, I haven't seen everything he's done, but everything I've seen, I've liked. So, Yeah, I mean, I, I like him. I like The Producers, that's a great film. Yeah. Um, what's the one he plays with? Um, oh, i got to look it up real quick. Uh, but I would give it a 7 out of 10, just to put a stamp on it. Oh, okay. Uh, uh, which movie? Uh, what is it? It's where he's blind and he he's with uh, the other comedian. I don't know. It doesn't matter. Um, but yeah, I like Gene Wilder. Yeah, Gene Wilder is great. He is definitely the best part of this movie. Yeah. Uh, all right. Did you have anything else? Nope. Nope. All right. Cool. Well, move on to a mini segment that might pop up every once in a while. This week in comics. Uh, i just been reading a shit ton of comic books and some great ones, so I just wanted to mention a few. Um, you know, I've been got back in with the Marvel Unlimited, so of course I caught up on a bunch of Marvel. I'm all the way up to date there. So next I turn to see what my favorite writer, Brian K. Vaughn, has been up to since I stopped reading comic books so long ago. He's the guy that wrote Why the Last Man, Ex Machina... Uh, the Runaways for Marvel. Just a great writer. He was a writer on Lost uh, for a couple seasons. And right now he's in the middle of 
a book called Saga. He's actually in the middle of two books, but this one is won multiple awards, Eisner Awards for like best graphic novel or comic book for like three or four years, I want to say. This is a story. It's a brilliant, brilliant sci-fi fantasy story. See, I'm not huge on fantasy, but when it's done well, it makes it that much better. And this one is done incredibly well. The character development, the world building is top-notch here. The art is beautiful. It's a very adult story. Uh, Basically, it's this story where this planet, I can't remember the name. It's like Land something. Basically, it's this planet that has these creatures, this race of people that have wings. And it has a moon. Its moon is like home to this these uh, the race of creatures or slash people that have horns. So they've been at war with each other for years and years and years. And this guy from this moon planet, who they degradingly call Moonies, and this woman from the wing planet, they get together and they have a baby. And it's like the first ever baby that has been cross-bred between these races. And both both planets send people after them to try to kill them and retrieve the baby for their own good. And they have these hitmen after them. There's this whole like company of hitmen. And uh, yeah, like I said, just the character building, the world building, the the art, the story... The dialogue, everything about it is top-notch, top-of-the-line, one of the best comic book stories I've ever read. You know, it's still going on, it's not finished yet, so it might might not end up that way, but right now it's uh, pretty close to a 10 out of 10 as far as I'm concerned. How many issues is it at? 44 issues. 44 issues are out. There's uh, six volumes, uh, collected volumes out, and then... Eight more comics uh, after that. Uh, the first two volumes are on Comicsology, which I have a free month to. I think I mentioned that a while back. Uh, first two volumes are on there, so if you want, if you uh, can get a free month of that, check out the the beginning of the story and see if it catches your attention. But I am obsessed with it now. I'm just disappointed that I have to go month to month now for the rest of it. And his other book that he has out going right now is Paper Girls. Which, there's 15 issues of this out. I've only read the first 12. Uh, Not as good as Saga. It's not as big of a story. It's basically... It's still kind of sci-fi-ish, though. Uh, It's set in the 80s with these four girls that run a paper route. And one day, this big event happens where, like, dragons are flying in from the sky. Everyone disappears. And eventually, they kind of, like... Uh, time travel to 2016 and this girl is like her 16 year old self and her 40 year old self meeting and uh, it's just a cool little Runaways-esque you know coming of age sci-fi story that uh, I'm enjoying Uh, like I said not as good as Saga but it's probably like a heavy 7.5 light 8 out of 10 and uh, the last comic I've been reading, which it's it's just a little indie, you know. Only a few people know about it. Uh, it's The Walking Dead. Uh, 
Have you heard of this? Have you heard of this? No, what's it about? <laughs> yeah, the comic book series that the hit TV show is based upon. I was talking to my cousin, like, telling him I'm back into comics, and I know he reads comics. I'm like, can you give me any recommendations of things I should be catching up on? He said, The Walking Dead is the greatest comic book ever written. Like, it's incredible. So good. I'm like, well, what if I have seen every episode of the show and liked it in the beginning and don't like it now? I think it's kind of overrated and not that great. And he said, read the book anyway. So that's what I'm doing. First 10 volumes are on Comixology. I'm on volume 5. I'm like 26, 27 issues in. Um, and he's right. So far he's right. It's great. It's a... Uh, a lot better than the show, at least to this point. Uh, I think the point in the books where I'm at is basically the start of... It's about somewhere around season three, I think. Uh, How close does it follow the show? It's fairly or close. Or the show follow the books. Yeah, it's... Um, I would actually say the show, like the first three or four... Ep- the first season of the show is only six episodes long. I think like the first four episodes of the show is probably better than the first two or three issues of the comic if if I could say that but it might be just because I watched it first before I read it but I actually think the show starts off better than a comic but it doesn't take long for the comic to overtake it Um, it is fairly close as far as setting like the first season they're at this camp from the beginning of the books they're at this camp second season of the show they go it all takes place on Herschel's farm in the comic they go to Herschel's farm next but as far as the details go it's a lot different uh, different characters like of course some of the characters are the same some are different uh, then in the third season they go to a prison that's where I'm at now they've been at this prison for a while but again the, just the the intricacies and the characters in the story is a lot different in the book, and I actually like the direction that the book has taken a lot more than the show. But there's 170 issues of this comic book, so I got a long ways to go to catch up. Is it still ongoing? Or are they still making new issues? Or are yeah, issues? issue issue 170 just came out uh, last week. So you know, I'm gonna keep trekking along. I'll, I'll once I'm all cut up, I'll give my final thoughts. Anything of interest there? Um, uh, I mean, I don't, I haven't really ever read comic books too much, so, uh, yeah, that's fair. It's, it's not a format of, of uh, media that I am too fond of. If I'm going to read, I, I kind of just want full text, not too much of the visuals. Cause yeah. I feel like that's the best part of reading is that you create the visuals for yourself. Um, yeah, I don't think you would like superhero comics, like the mainstream Marvel DC stuff. Uh, and even myself, I'm way more interested in these. There are actually, like, Saga, and so far from what I've read, The Walking Dead, like these indie comics where it's not superheroes and just all about the art and, and like, action, so to speak. Uh, I think that's when you're going to get to, like, legitimately great stories, storytelling. Well, I, I've tried to read manga um, See, I've never done that. But I, like I feel like it's the, almost the exact same type of thing. And it's just, uh, for me, if I'm going to read, I just want pure text. Uh, yeah, that's fair. I can see it. 
Yeah, for whatever reason, I've been. I don't know. I prefer the like the graphic novel to the book at this point in my life, just because I can read an issue of a comic in like five ten minutes if I have the time. If if I have a novel like pure text, I want to sit down for hours and just read it nonstop. Yeah, that is the problem. I mean, I just got into a new series called the King uh, the King's Killer Chronicle. Um, and it's basically kind of, you know, not really Game of Thrones, but it's set in, you know, medieval type times mm-hmm. with this mage going to an academy and uh, or university and learning how to be a real, you know, kind of like mage. Uh, and it's incredible. It's incredible. And I, I, I read the first book and I just sat down and I had to read it in, you know, nine hours nonstop. And the, 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 the sequel, the same thing. And the next book he comes out with. So you do have to invest a lot of time. Um, yeah, but I for me that's like it's worth it. I, I like it when oh, yeah. I think we talked about like those thirty minute episodes of TV shows and stuff. Those are great, but I feel like they're only great for like certain types of shows where I'm not invested. Like I, if it's a comedy show, sure. Yeah, but if it's a story driven show or or excuse me, uh, a book, I, I'm willing to invest the time. You know. Yeah, I agree. Like if I had the time, if I was single. Uh, and all that, which I prefer where I'm at in life, so it's not the end of the world. But if I had unlimited time to myself, I would definitely do more reading novels and stuff like that. I do enjoy it. That just getting lost in a world in your own mind is pretty awesome. It's incredible, yeah. But, uh, you know, I'll wait for the winds of winter before I do that again. Yeah, I, I just can't believe you're watching the TV show. <laughs> I know, I know. I actually, that's a journey I need to go on very soon. Is uh, I, I'm going to reread all the books uh, before the newest one comes out. So well, you got plenty of time. So <laughs> I wouldn't worry. I think about. I think it's coming out uh, probably 2000, early 2018. I I, I could agree. I could see that happening. I hope so. I really yeah. Do. So I I need to start reading them soon. Uh, get them all out of the way. Yeah. Yeah, I wouldn't mind, uh, like, I might listen to the audiobooks uh, before leading oh, up to the new one. Now that I, you do say that, uh, I actually, so me and my friends, we, we've gotten together every single week for like the last, like, eight years. And lately, we've just kind of been like, what do we do now? We, I mean, we used to play board games every week, and we haven't done that. And so what I decided was, why don't we listen to an audiobook? Uh and the audiobook book we chose based upon really, really, really good reviews was John Dies at the End. Now, you've seen the movie, right? Yeah, I did not like it. Yes, and, I, and I, I'm pretty sure most people didn't like it. <laughs> the audiobook, it, it's one of the best audiobooks out there. It has to be. Uh, I mean, I don't know. I've never listened to an audiobook before, but this is just – it's incredible. It's great. Um, I can't imagine reading it. Uh, but when you hear someone say these things out loud, it's hysterical. It's just so funny. Um, the book's way better. Well, at least the audiobook is. Like I said, I don't think the book would be as good uh, because when you read it, like, I, I don't ever really laugh when I read a book. But hearing someone else read this book to me, it's it's very, very, very funny to hear these situations and um, – if you would ever listen to an audiobook, you should definitely start with John Dies at the end. That is really getting me into it. I have a subscription to 
uh, Audible nice. uh, now because of it, and I will continue with it just because of how good this this auto uh, audiobook has been. Yeah, that's great. So maybe we should do a segment. Maybe we should rename the segment "What Else We Read" slash listen to. Yeah, possibly. Yeah, I don't know. We'll see. But uh, you've already done your final point. Uh, did you have anything else to add to that? Nope. I think it's and we spend pretty much too, yeah uh, podcast. I mean, yeah. Yeah. Well, my final point: nothing too heavy. Just like a more general question for you. I just want to talk about uh, movie genres. I mentioned my least favorite movie genre, but I just wanted to see, like, get a read on how important are movie genres to you when you're picking a movie to watch or watching a movie? Uh, I would initially say, oh, not at all. Who cares what the genre is? But if, if I really think about it, I would say they're they're heavily influential on what I would not go to see. Mm-hmm. Not so much what I would go to see, but what I, what I'd not go to. Okay, so the question I had is, if you're going in blind to you're going to the movies, you're not even looking what's out. All you know is the genres. So just you don't know the quality of the movie. But if you're going, which genre would you be most likely to pick to go to see, and which one would you least likely to pick? Um, I can start with least likely because that's the easiest for me, and that would be horror. Uh, because I feel like in today's world of cinema, horror films are horrible. They're just they're terrible. Mm. They're they're just they're, they're, there's never a good one out. It seems like uh, I'm really excited for the first time, uh, maybe not first time, but first time in a long time uh, for a horror film with it. Uh, I've seen. Um, another trailer while watching Dunkirk and it looks good. I, and I, I'm excited. I'm excited to see it. Um, but so typically horror films, if I know it's a horror film, I'm probably not going to go. See yeah. It. See a uh, real quick, my thoughts on horror. I feel like there has actually been a lot of great horror recently, but in general, you're right. Like if you, if you're just saying here's a mediocre horror movie, they're all the same. And, they're never that great, but I just like any genre. I mean, if it's a good version of a genre or of a movie in that genre, then I'm all about it. But I, I know what you mean with horror that it can be kind of feel very samey after yeah, a while. Yeah, but I mean, I do. I mean, you're, you're saying that you feel like there has been a lot of good horror. Films I yeah, I feel like horror is. In a renaissance right now, whereas comedy is just terrible. Right it now. might, it might, it, I mean, maybe within the last two years, yeah. Um, like, but it, not much it farther. It follows, than and uh, uh, the one that's my favorite movie so far this year um, that I can't remember the name of because it's late. You know, I, I don't know. I just feel like indie horror has has done pretty well for itself. Okay. But, uh, I know what you mean, though. Um, but yeah, so horror film it comes in. I'd say another one would probably be disaster films. Uh, I know what's the newest one coming out? Geostorm. Um, that is a good call. <laughs> I, I don't like. I, I don't know. I mean, you had the day after tomorrow, which was okay for the time, 
but really looking back at it, is it that great? Yeah, uh, probably not. That's a good um, call. That's a good call. So or spoof movies. Uh yeah yeah. So what would I go to see? Uh, I would have to say. Let me think about it. What would I go to see? Like definitely like. I could answer. I would okay. You go ahead. Let me think about it. All right. I would say. All right. For as far as least likely to go see, I would actually say like a romance or a romantic comedy. Not that I don't like movies in, of that variety, but I just feel like if you're going to play the percentages for me, like you know these these uh, Nicholas Sparks movies, they're just not my cup of tea. And like I said, the fantasy epics, the the uh, King Arthur's of the world, the Warcrafts, that kind of thing. No, thank you. As far as most likely to see, if all I knew was genre, <laughs> it's not my favorite genre. But I feel like I'm interested in almost every single movie that comes out in the comic book slash superhero genre. You know. I, at first, that was that was my initial going to be my initial answer, just because it is usually it's solid. It's a solid bet. Or even if it's um, bad, I know these characters. I can at least have a point of view. You know, like I'm going to want to see it and talk about it, no matter what. That's that's for me, anyway. Yeah, for or, me, it's it's a hard one. Um, or maybe sci-fi. I want to say sci-fi, but at the same time, I'm thinking. I don't know if that would be like. Is there something that I would go? Oh, I'll definitely see that over a sci-fi film. I'm thinking maybe just a um, a almost like a murder mystery film. Maybe uh, like a Zodiac. Yeah, kind of like a Zodiac or gangster uh, movie. I mean, like maybe a 1408 kind of film that it's psychological mystery. <laughs> I wouldn't say. I mean, for me, then that yeah, I, mean, I yeah. guess it's horror, maybe. Not really. Yeah. Um, uh, maybe a psychological thriller, psych- psychological mystery film, something like that. Something that like it's just. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I know like who's mean. done it type thing. Yeah, who done like, it? Uh, what's the? Oh, there's a new film coming out where there it's uh, something about people on a train. Um, yeah, the murder on the Orient Express. Like that. Like instantly, I'm like, oh. It, it probably might be a crappy film, but I kind of want to know who's done it. Like, I want that answer, you know, to the question. Yeah. Um, but is me, that is that your favorite genre or just no, no, like, no, no? So then, what what is your favorite and least favorite genre outside of just you know the randomness factor of that other question? Uh, my least favorite genre probably is still horror, possibly westerns, but. Uh, ever since we um, watched Once Upon a Time in the West, I have a whole new light on westerns. Before that, I kind of like I like Three Ten to Yuma, but not much else. Like uh, like Clint Eastwood films and and um, you know like Dancing with Wolves and and uh, what's the uh, John Wayne films? Not the biggest fan of that. Uh, Were you the one that reviewed Slow West with me? No. Oh my God, that is a western you have to watch. Really? Yes, that I love that movie. Michael Fassbender. Oh uh, yeah, that'll make mm. you love westerns even more. Um, 
so initially I would have said westerns, but I'll, I'll stick with comedies. That's or not comedies, horror films okay. are my least favorite. Uh, one because they just don't. I mean, back in the nineties and eighties, like I don't. There's not much like not much good that came out of the eighties. No good music. No good movies. Uh, of course, that's being very generalistic, but. The 80s wasn't a good time, except for horror films. The horror films in the 80s were good. Uh, <laughs> but nowadays, I think they just suck. Yeah. Uh, what's my favorite? I don't know if I have a favorite genre. I guess the be- like the thing I... If I hear this is what a movie is kind of based upon, I want to see it. And that is a single location film. I okay. love single okay. location films. Um, I don't know why. I think it's because it... Like the 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 writers have to really dedicate themselves to character creation, um, yeah. and they have to be very creative with their story. That could be why, but I yeah, just, it's I almost love like seeing... giving yourself restrictions on purpose helps you be more creative. Yes, yep. And so that that would have to be my favorite, I guess, genre okay. if you want to call it a genre. Single location films, by far. There was a time when I would have said comedies for my favorite genre. Just, They've gone downhill drastically. Yeah, but there's just it's no good. <laughs> like a great comedy is still one of my favorite things to see. Like even something like The Wolf of Wall Street, which is not a pure comedy, but it's pretty but much it is a comedy. Funny. Yeah, but I I think I'd actually go with like uh, you know drama. Like all my favorite movies. If I look at my top 100, I would say maybe half of them are just dramas like Boyhood or. You know, um, I don't know how you like Boyhood that much. Or you know, it's not like a movie I want to revisit. But to like Twelve Years a Slave, like a legitimate—I don't want to say Oscar movie because it's not like an Oscar movie means anything. But just like a, a drama, a movie that's taking on serious material seriously and trying to tell a good story. I feel like like Spotlight, you know, something like that. But I, I feel like a lot of those are so forgettable. Well, that's true. There's a lot of mediocre ones that, like in, every, like in everything. Uh, I mean, I, like, I really like Spotlight. But you're going to forget about it. Nightcrawler, you're going to forget about it. Yeah, that's fair. I mean, it's just... But, I mean, a good comedy, you will not forget a good comedy. Yeah. Yep. No one's ever going to forget Dumb and Dumber. No one is. It's just, I mean, I know you're the biggest fan of... Um, Anchorman. Yeah, it will always sit with you. I mean, yes. the be- some of the best com- or best dramas, you're going to forget. I mean, um, there's yeah, so many names, but you just you just forget them because they kind of just get washed up with the rest of them. It's not a bad point. Um, all right, last thing. What do you prefer? Like a movie that's trying to totally focus in on one genre, or like. Something that's trying to take from a bunch of different genres and mix them up together. Uh, I would have to probably say sticks to one, which is kind of probably not what people should answer. But if you think about it, films that always try to add comedy, like serious films that always try to add comedy, usually that falls flat pretty heavily. Yeah, I'll, I'll agree with you here because, I mean, don't get me wrong, if someone is trying to do two or three things at once and they nail it, like, that's amazing. Like, that's when you'll get some of the best movies out there. But I feel like most of the time, they're trying so hard to do both things right that they end up doing 
neither thing good enough. Yeah, like the, I, it's mean, like a, I, I agree. Now, like you said, that if they do it right, I think it, the, the best multi-genre film probably is better than the best single-genre film. Usually, yeah, yeah. It's just probably harder to make. I mean, it's such me, a high level degree of difficulty. Like yeah, action, like, a buddy cup comedy, like action comedy. Like most of the time, I feel like the action's not good enough, and it's not funny enough. Yeah, yeah. But if you look at like Firefly, which is, I mean, of course that's a television show, um, but that's like a sci-fi western. western with a ton of comedy in it. That is one of the most famous cult TV shows out there. Um, and it only lasted one season, and yet people consider that the greatest show of all time. Now, of course, not everyone does. But if you like it, you're going to love it. Um, and I think that's something that shows, like, if you can do it well, it's going to be a hit. Um, yeah. Yep, I agree with you. Cool. So, uh, good episode. Uh, if you want to give us your favorite movie genres or... Your worst villains, you know, hit us up on email. On email, who says that? How old am I? The Red Box the Report. Yeah, the Red Box Report at yahoo.com or follow us on Twitter at the Red Box Report. I'm on Twitter at the Oriole Report. You can like us on Facebook, subscribe, rate, and review us on iTunes. And as always, have a great day.